Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. Kat Kessler, today's guest, has been creating for as long as she can remember. An avid dancer as a child, she also wrote stories. Both were powerful ways to connect to herself and to a sense of something larger. She still does both, and these days she also wants to help others connect to their spiritual side through her business, Opt Inward. She joined me to talk about the importance of taking time for ourselves and being who we really are, how the things that matter to you aren't silly no matter what anyone else tells you, the importance of meaning and ritual in our lives, including how she discovered that for herself, and more. It's an affirming conversation that offers some perspective into a side of ourselves we tend to forget. I'm very pleased to bring you my conversation with Kat Kessler. So Kat, I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. I'm really glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'm curious to know what your story is. What's your what's your backstory before we get into any of your current story? Hmm. Um, let's see. How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> how far back is relevant? Where does your creative journey start? Let's see. I feel like I was always a, a creative kid. I'm, I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I feel like that, you know, necessitates some level of creativity as I was, um, you know, my own playmate a lot of the time, um, when, whenever I wasn't hanging out with friends or neighbors or whatever. Um as a child, I was very into writing. I was very into reading and going to the library. I loved um, one of my favorite library books to check out was the Little House on the Prairie cookbook. Oh, um, yeah, I, I loved the Little House books. And actually, um, in adulthood, they were sort of the first series of books that I reread. I was never much of a rereader, um, but they were they were the uh, the gateway to rereading <laughs> for me. Um, and somewhere along the way in elementary school, I discovered Madeline Lingle and her books oh. and her story. Um, and that was sort of when I was like, okay, I think this writing thing could be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember I would uh, sort of write my own books in, in elementary school and, you know, staple them together with construction paper covers and illustrate them myself uh-huh. um, and those sorts of things. Um on, on sort of another plane of creativity, I also started uh, dance classes when I was four, and I danced until I graduated high school, and I danced in college, and um, and then uh, getting back into dance as an adult was a big deal for me, and actually uh, was a connection point to one of my closest circles of friends now, um, even though we don't uh, take dance class together regularly anymore, that's um, definitely still part of it. Um, let's see what else. Um, I wrote some poetry here and there. Um, I was, um, you know, into it at points. Um, I remember in middle school writing, you know, a line in some poem about something. I don't remember any of the context, you know, about, um, you know, about the smell of like freshly baked bread, Okay. which is something I must have recently done. I must have Mm -hmm. baked bread sometime uh, close to there or, uh, my, my aunt makes really delicious yeast rolls. Um, and when she makes them, she sets them to rise like on top and under her wood stove. Um, and it's just like the most amazing smell. Um, <laughs> and you, but of course, you know, as a sixth grader, I, I would, this was novel to me. And so I'm trying to express this and, and my peers are having not had this, um, you know, experience with the bread and the smell. Um, they're only seeing sort of the cliche in this line, right. whereas I'm seeing the truth in this line. And that's a very difficult thing. Um, I feel like for a middle schooler to, uh, to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, creativity and, uh, certain seasons of life can be challenging. Um, definitely. I feel like I tend to come back around to a lot of it and, you know, and it kind of shows up in various, in various ways. You know, of all the things that you've just talked about that I want to 
kind of make sure that we talk about at some point. Let, let's stick with that uh-huh. middle school one, because I think that's so rough. And it's not just rough when you're in middle school. The whole idea that, I mean, cliches come around for a reason, right? There's sure. truth in them where we wouldn't have them. But, mm-hmm. you know, it you do. I mean, I notice it myself. In fact, I just posted something on Instagram today that, you know, was like, yeah, yeah, I know everybody thinks this is, you know, you hear this all the time and you don't pay any attention to it anymore because everybody always says it, but it's still true. And Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that hit you in middle school and what do you think of it now? I remember it hitting me pretty hard in middle school. I, um, I had a lot of tendencies toward perfectionism Mm -hmm. and, um, approval seeking, and those sorts of things. So uh, when it comes to my creativity, I think one of the blocks that's sort of always been there, or at least been there as long as I can remember, um, is not only wanting to create something that people like or approve of, but also like wanting to create it the right way. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever the right way means. Um, And I think that um, has been, you know, my own roadblock for a lot of different things. Um, You know, you talk about posting things on Instagram and, and feeling like, you know, it's been said, you know, a million times. I definitely feel that as I'm, um, you know, creating and, and growing this new business, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like I don't have anything original to say. I feel like I'm, um, you know, parroting back things that I've read, things that I've experienced from others, uh, which is certainly part of it. Um, and I think, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, people call that curation and they can charge right. a lot of money for it. <laughs> um, so like, where is that, where is that line between kind of curation and, um, plagiarism, if you will. And then, yeah. uh, also like, what is, what is the creativity that I am contributing to that part of the conversation? And, you know, and it's interesting. I'm trying to find now. I was just thinking about this last night, maybe. And and not even in the sense of curation, but, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, if I wrote my own book about creativity, what would I write? Because, it, you know, I mean, I trained as a creativity coach, so that's where a lot of what I know comes from. But then there's mm-hmm. also stuff that I learned in my MFA program. There are things that I've learned from my own experience. And then I thought, well, then there's like the whole Brene Brown part, which I feel like now I mention her every time I interview somebody. Um, but, but she's great. You know, she has so many great things to say. And then there's all of this other stuff. And I thought, well, okay. So all of those things, if I decided to do this and it, it was just a fleeting idea, I don't have any kind of like spark of anything. So if anyone's getting their hopes up, maybe someday, but not today. Um, <laughs> though it might percolate, you never know, but I thought it would really, it would be more synthesis than anything else. It would be like my synthesis of all of these other things that I've come across and my own experience. So, so yeah, sometimes things are curation and sometimes things are synthesis and sometimes mm-hmm. they're just straight up. I got this from somebody else, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And I, uh, I, I tend to consume a lot of content, you know, kind of in this world of creativity and personal growth and self-development, whether it's podcasts or articles or Instagram accounts and, um, you know, the, the kind of common wisdom, I suppose, is that, you know, maybe somebody has said it before, but they haven't said it the way you're going to say it. Right. Um, and I'm kind of just waiting for that moment where I start to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I feel closer than others. Aren't um, we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it is true. I mean, and that's that's kind of where I was going on Instagram today. I mean, no, nobody else is going to see it the same way that you do and nobody else is going to communicate it the same way you do. And, you know, it's it's a thing that comes up so many times with people. It's like, oh, I wanted to write this story. And then I found out that somebody else wrote this and it sounds just like, you know, Twilight or The Hunger Games or Harry Potter or whatever. And now I can't write it. It's like, yeah, you can, because your thing mm-hmm. is going to be totally different. I mean, there there is a challenge sometimes, like, obviously, if you've read Harry Potter, then you, you've kind of already got that pathway marked out in your head and you have to make right. sure that you stay on your own rather than just going down the one you already know. And that can be really, really hard. Um, but mm-hmm. that still doesn't mean that, that it's not worth doing. Sure. I mean, if we got rid of every book that sounded like Harry Potter, then I would have read maybe a third of many, as many books in the last 15 years. Like, right. You know, and, and who all did she borrow from? Your, Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, at the very Lots least, she borrowed from Tolkien and, you know, other people. And, and so, and actually, if you're going to talk about Tolkien, the whole Babylon 5 TV series, not all of it, but a good chunk of it was 
not even trying very hard to hide the fact that it was borrowing <laughs> from Tolkien, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, things get, things get reprocessed. They get re, reused sounds too recyclish, but it, you know, everybody, you know, kind of processes things through their own little, little system and brings them out in their own way. Sure. But you don't know that when you're in middle school. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I think we don't know that when we're way beyond middle school. either. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think for me, it shows up a lot of times in, you know, is what I'm offering valuable to the people I'm offering it to. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, beginning to think about, you know, how can I do some kind of like live events and trainings and mini retreats? And so I'm thinking about, um, you know, what's the first sort of foray into that? And I'm like, okay, well, I can gather my friends in a space, um, you know, where it feels very comfortable and, um, you know, maybe we do a potluck and that's sort of their, their payment, if you will, to, mm-hmm. to get into the space. And then that's sort of where my imagination seems to like hit this dead end. I'm like, okay, so what would I talk about? And then I'm like, uh, <laughs> um, because everything that comes into my mind, I'm like, well, they've probably heard that before. Well, they probably already know that. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, the, the, uh, the argument I started having with myself and that, you know, I, I tell myself all the things that we just, we just talked about, um, and that, you know, if it, if it's set in a different way, if it's in a different setting, if there's different, if there's a different space for them to come into in order to re- react to that information in order to connect with one, in, one another while they're reacting to that mm-hmm. information, then that becomes a new thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's valuable just to be reminded of things too. Mm-hmm. And the things sure. that you're, you know, you're reminded of this thing that, oh, hey, that's right. I forgot about that. And then the next mm-hmm. thing is this other thing that maybe either you had forgotten or you'd heard in a different way before and suddenly that clicks and then it feeds into the one that you had forgotten earlier. And I, I mean, you never, you never know how people will, will take stuff in. Right. There's a, there's a lot of trust. <laughs> there is. There. But it's also interesting how easy it is to sit down and say, I want to do this thing. And now I have no idea what it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like your yes. brain just empties. That's what happens to me. It's like, I'll, I'll have this great idea. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, and I know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Only I do, mm-hmm. but it's all gone away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, I think we have to remind ourselves what we know. I think we forget mm-hmm. the things that we know. We forget to give ourselves credit for the things that we know. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Do you have any favorite ways of reminding yourself? Um, I like to do things like print things out and hang them on mirrors or refrigerators or, mm-hmm. you know, any place where I'll see that. I have some things on sticky notes around here that have been up for ooh, at least a year, maybe two. And I sort, you know, so I sort of don't see them anymore. And yet every once in a mm-hmm. while I notice them. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like... I'm, I am such a sucker for things that say things, whether they're like, you know, jewelry pendants or those things that you can buy in like every decor store now, you know, the little wooden plaque things to hang around. Yeah. And it, it's dangerous. If you let me into a place like that, I will want them all. And the only reason <laughs> that I will get out alive is that I will remember that I have no place to put them. <laughs> well, I like actually being able to see things. Yeah. Even if eventually yeah. they become part of the scenery, you know, still every once in a while, you'll notice them. And maybe those are the moments when you need to. So, yeah, that's very interesting. I know some of my favorite um, podcasts, you know, I'll be looking at, um, you know, one of the ones I like, uh, for example, Real Talk Radio uh, with Nicole Antoinette uh, previously, and she's about to change her structure, but she's previously released eight episodes at, at a time. Um, so you have a little bit of a, of a binge listen opportunity mm-hmm. if you want, but I also, you know, all the night gives me a chance to sort of listen to them in whatever order I want. Um, and I'll look at the description for some of them and I'll either think, you know, I already know everything about whatever that topic is, which mm-hmm. is kind of a ridiculous thing to think, but that's what pops yeah, into I know, my head. I do that too. <laughs> um, yeah. Or I'll think, well, that has nothing to do with me. I'm not interested in that. Um, and inevitably when I actually do listen to that episode, um, maybe it's the last one I listened to in that season, or maybe I'm just like, Oh, I'll give it a chance. Um, it's always the one that I get the most out of, whether it's a reminder or hearing something in a new way, or, um, there was one episode maybe a couple of years ago now, um, about a woman who has rowed a boat across the Atlantic ocean twice, Whoa. um, by herself. Oh. 
Um, and that was one where I looked at it. I was like, I don't really know what I, how I would connect with this person. We have very little in common. Right. Um, but it, it was the most fascinating story. And I, I, you know, do feel like I got a lot out of it. Um, so sometimes it's just getting over my own, um, my own obstacle that I've sort of put there saying like, Oh, I don't need that. <laughs> I do do that too. I'm so glad it's not just me. Because <laughs> I, because I'll bet all of us do that. In fact, there's, you know, I can think of a couple different podcasts where it's like, eh, I'm not that interested in that guest, or really, really, that's your topic this week, and and inevitably, I'm wrong, mm-hmm. just inevitably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's something about how we look at things like that, and you know, I've done it. I've done it in so many places in my life. I've done it with people that I've met who, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, rubbed me really, really the wrong way when I first met them. And I thought, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to stop talking about yourself or or you cannot possibly know all of the people that you claim to have met or you keep interrupting this person who's talking and I wish you would shut up so that I can listen to them and you're really annoying. Would you go away? And these people end up being you know, some of my favorite people that I absolutely love. And it's embarrassing when I think about how, oh, yeah, I like wanted to totally write you off when I first met you. Or even, you know, I used to teach English as a second language on the secondary level. And when I got that job, I really thought I wanted to teach English lit. And so it was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll take this for now, but this isn't really what I want to do. And within, you know, the first three weeks, I was like, yeah, no, this is totally where I need to be. I'm absolutely loving this. And I wouldn't want to teach English lit if my life depended on it. So, which I don't know that I would say if my life depended on it, but still, because, hey, I could be just as wrong about English lit. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, I find it interesting just noticing that with myself, how often, like, if I tend to do that, I'm sure other people do too. And, and it mm-hmm. always seems like those are the things that I really end up loving in one way or another. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's kind of like an extension of that whole podcast phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely noticed that. Has that come up like with, with dance or any of the writing that you've done before or? Hmm. Let me think. I think, and I, and I don't know that I threw up a big obstacle to this, but it was definitely unexpected. So when I was in uh, eighth grade, about to go into high school, um, posters went up around the school. Uh, they were looking for people to join the the color guard, um, mm. the flag corps, if you will, as part of the marching band. And some friends were, were like, well, I think we're going to you know, audition for this. And I was like, okay. Um, and it was, it feel, it felt unexpected in that I had never, you know, I had never planned to join the marching band. I played an orchestra instrument at the time. Um, I, I mean, the dance thing was obviously a, a strong mm-hmm. connection. Um, but I feel like there were probably things about that, that if I had thought it through as far as like, oh, you have to practice outdoors in the 85 degree heat. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Some of those things that if I had overthought it, I could easily have thrown up an objection like that. Um, and, and somehow, somehow that one seemed like an easy decision to make. Um, and then it, it did, it turned out to be one of the best decisions that I made for, for all of high school. It's how I connected with uh, many of my friends and, you know, gave me great opportunities uh, through those years. Um but, you know, I, I think if I had been in a slightly different headspace or if even something like that were to happen now, maybe I was just really open to it then. Mm-hmm. If something like that were to happen now, I think it'd be so much easier to to find all the reasons why why I shouldn't Yeah, <laughs> um, or why I might not like it. There is something I think about aging, you know, I mean, because you're talking eighth grade high school, which isn't little kid, but it's still a kid. You know, mm-hmm. so it's easier, I think, then to look at something and say, "Ooh, that looks like oh, so much fun. I'm going to go do it. Ha- whereas now it's more like I'm going to find all the reasons why I don't want to do it and see if I can still talk myself into it. It's like we know right. too much. And <laughs> and I wonder if it's is it just that we know too much or is it that we've got people telling us all of the reasons why we can't do things, which 
I think probably, well, starts from the minute we're born, but in earnest, I think really starts in high school. You know, don't do that. Don't, don't go with this person. Don't do this thing. Don't pick this major. Don't pick that school. You know, and, and maybe we just hear too much don't and we internalize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, um, part of, I think to get overwhelmed with, with some of the future possibilities, especially when it comes to things like, finances or job choices or yeah. anything like that, that, you know, it's going to have a big impact down the road. Definitely. And then also, I think it's easy for me to get comfortable. I think that's just part of my personality too. Um, you know, what are those people that if I go home for the evening, then I'm probably not going to go back out again. <laughs> Guilty um, as charged. And I, I love, yeah, I love being out and about, but it's just that, that gear shift, um, yeah. from sort of home to out again, uh, it's not something I'm likely to do twice in 24 hours. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's it's like mm -hmm. totally a mental block and we don't even necessarily know it, but it is. It's, I think mm -hmm. at least with me, it's sort of like once I'm home, it's like I can breathe. I don't have to worry about anything, including getting home again. Mm -hmm. And and it's sort of like, no, no, I waited all day for this. I'm not giving it up that easily. Right. Which, right. On the one hand is totally taking care of yourself. And on the other hand is probably missing out on things that you'd really love to do. It's mm -hmm. so double-edged. I double -edged. think it's both and. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there's a local music festival. Um, I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Um, and we've got, we've got some really fantastic music festivals, but there's one that's close by and it happens twice a year in spring and fall. Um, and several years ago before we had kids, my husband and I would go and, if you volunteered a certain number of hours and you basically got a weekend to pass for free, fantastic Ooh, deal. Nice. Uh, one of those festivals that everyone goes out and takes their tents, camps. Um, and the volunteer shift was always fine. We would volunteer in like one of the beer tents and he would pour beers and I would man the cash register. Um, but every year when it came time to like apply to be a volunteer for the next festival, I always had this like big mental block about it, about, how hard it was going to be to like pack all over stuff and take it out there and how yeah. they're always like those four annoying people who like are so angry that I asked them to check their ID despite the six posted signs about it. Um, and so it's really easy to remember all the difficult things then. Um, but every time we pushed through that, we had a fantastic time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's one of those things maybe that I need to put on a post-it note uh, to remind <laughs> myself of when things come up, like remember you're going to have a great time. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm actually, I was just, just um, trying to sneak a look here because I saw a post of yours on Instagram earlier today that really hit me. And it says, no matter how big or small, if it matters to you, it's not silly. When you trust your desires, you create space for the unexpected. And I really, really loved that quote because I thought, you know, not only making space for the unexpected and trusting yourself, but the the part... If it matters to you, it's not silly is in capital letters. And to me, it felt like that's capitalized for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so filtering this through my experience, I think it hits me that way because I'm so used to people being like, really, you want to do that? That's ridiculous. Why do you want to do that? Why do you think that this is a, we know more than you and we're here to tell you that that's really stupid and you're wasting your time or you're going to regret it or it's just silly. And I don't know if that's where you were coming from when, when you posted this, but, but it really struck me. And it's not, not that what we were just talking about was deciding that things are silly, but I feel like it's all related, you know, like, you still have to trust yourself. You have to trust that the things you want to do, that you want to go volunteer at the music festival, despite the fact that, you know, somebody's going to get in your face about ID, you know? And mm -hmm. so that means it's not silly. It's not a waste of time. It's not going to be too aggravating because you know, you're going to love it anyhow. And you're making space for that stuff. So, mm -hmm. and anyway, that, that quote particularly struck me. I don't know if there's any backstory to it or anything like that, but or your yeah, take. Um, and I'll back up a little bit and, and, and talk about, um, talk about the business that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm growing a little bit and, and, and sort of where that came from. So, um, the, the, my business is called opt inward and it's all about self-care and spiritual self-care and crafting ritual that enables those things. Um, and I do this a few different ways. There's uh, kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching, mentoring opportunities, um, whether it's, you know, helping someone, 
create something beautiful for a particular season. Um, for example, I helped a, a client of mine um, put together a, a day-long ritual, really, uh, for Mother's Day to honor her mother who had passed a few years ago. Um, and I also do some very bespoke, they're bespoke do-it-yourself retreat boxes. Um, cool. So basically, you get this box in the mail. We've, you know, we'll have a conversation and talk about sort of your interests and your needs. Um, I'll put together um, a guide and itinerary journaling prompts activities specific to your day. Put that in a box with some supplies that go uh, with that particular itinerary and then ship it to you. Um, so basically what you have um, when you open the box is everything you would need to sort of connect with yourself, you know, connect with whatever it is that you need for self-care in that day. So when I was thinking about this, this Instagram post, I was, I was really thinking about folks who might have an idea. Um, I think I posted this not long after the hundred day challenge kind of got kicked off on Instagram where folks are kind of um, endeavoring to do like one small creative thing a day for a hundred days. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who's doing these really cute little doodle drawings and she's sharing them on her Instagram stories each day. And uh, I think that's a great practice slash ritual, you know, whether it's for self care or, or for a particular goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, there are probably so many people and I've definitely had these thoughts too, where it's like, well, I'd really love to meditate or do a yoga stretch or draw a little something or, get out my watercolors every day and just, you know, do a little something. And then, you know, for every, all the things that we were just talking about, it's so easy to shut that down. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to say, either I don't have the time or it wouldn't really make that big of a difference or, yes. um, or especially if you think about talking to somebody else about it. And mm-hmm. especially if it's something that's, it's really outside of your, um, your kind of standard operating <laughs> mode. Um, yeah that I think it's really easy to be like, uh, you know, so-and-so is going to think it's silly that I want to meditate or, and, you know, and that can be sharing with a friend or a partner or a family member. Um, so that's where I was coming from as far as, you know, if it's, if it's silly, if it matters to you, then it's not actually silly, even if you think that it is. Um, and I think uh, one of the things I ended up writing about that um, in an email that, that sort of went with that post was I had gotten interested in tarot and tarot cards and tarot readings mm-hmm. and got myself a deck. Um, and yet it still feels strange for me to talk to people about it. Um, because I'm not entirely sure how I feel about tarot <laughs> and like, do I believe that it quote unquote works or do I believe it's quote unquote real? Um, and, and I feel like, um, it's very tempting to, when we make a choice, feel like we have to be able to explain our choice. Yes. And so I feel like that's all wrapped up together. I don't think, you know, it's not silly if you can't explain it. Um, You know, it's not unworthy if you can't explain it. Um, It's not unworthy if you plan to just do it for two weeks and then never do it again. Um, You know, it's, we don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves to choose these practices or these routines that are like, I'm going to get up at 5.30 every day for the rest of my life. Um, uh, but I, I think the way that we tend to talk about those things kind of encourages those thoughts. Um, yeah. You know, even if it's something as small as I want to drink more water or or whatever, um, it doesn't really matter why. If you want to do it, you should that's do it. enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there are, so, so I have like five different directions that I want to go now all at one time from what you've just <laughs> said. So, so we'll see how many of them I manage to get to. Um, but, but first, one of my grad school advisors was Rachel Pollack, who is a major, major tarot guru. In fact, mm-hmm. when I first met her, when I got up to Goddard and went to the meet and greet for new students that night, I must have looked like a complete idiot because I was just standing there looking at her name tag. This is how much homework I did about my school before I went there because I hadn't really, if I had looked at the list of faculty, I didn't remember anybody's names. And I, I would have remembered hers. I stood there just kind of going, that Rachel Pollack? The Rachel Pollack? No, 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 no. You must be a different Rachel Pollack. No, she's that (laughs) Rachel Pollack. And so, yeah, she was my advisor for my second year. And I, you know, I had already had a tarot deck. Mm -hmm. because I was just fascinated by it. And I had used it 
to help, you know, try to come up with backstory for characters and things like that. I don't, I don't really have an opinion on whether it works. I think you can define works in so many different ways. I don't really see it Mm -hmm. as, you know, I'm channeling something I shouldn't be channeling. I look at it more as like, what kind of thoughts does it spark in my head that I can use in one particular way or another? But I know, you know, there are people who really do think that something like tarot is evil, which is why I didn't talk about it. But when I got to work with her and we kind of would talk about things and even in my letters back and forth, because Goddard is a low res program. So you mail your work back and forth to your advisor, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while, something like that would come up. And for my final paper, which was a chronicle of my two years in that program, I decided to structure it according to the major arcana because it just, oh, that's very it was cool. partially just to see if I could do it. And it was also yeah. because I knew if anybody would let me do it, it would be her. So you know, yeah, when when you talk about how if it matters to you or if it works for you, it's not silly. I think that's a big one. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. letting a deck of cards dictate my life. I pull it out when I'm curious about something or, you know, like in that particular case, literally, I was like, OK, where does this character come from? And I pulled two cards and I immediately looked at, let me see, it was... The the card I pulled for his mother was the Empress. And I said, okay, so mom's an artist. And the card I pulled for his father was the moon. And I said, and his father was an alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> and that was enough to like <laughs> give me something to run with. And, you know, right. and I don't think that there's anything evil about just pulling something random from a deck of cards and letting it push you in a direction for a creative project. You know, I don't, I mean, I think you can get caught into a pattern where you don't want to move without consulting your tarot deck. And I don't think that's what it's for. I think that's kind of an addictive thing. But um, but yeah, I think I think it's cool that we're actually talking about this because I'm hoping it will normalize it for somebody because it's not it's like anything else. It's not good or bad. It's how you use it. Right, right. Yeah, I heard uh, um, again on the Real Talk Radio podcast that Nicole interviewed Lindsay Mack. and I'm not going to remember the name of her uh, Instagram account at the moment, but I'll send it to okay. you later. Um, and, and I felt like uh, the way that she talked about it was very, uh, you know, she was kind of dispelling some of the myths, not only about, you know, whether evil plays any role in it, but um, just also about, uh, it was just, it was very obvious to me that there's really a continuum of, of sort of what people believe and how they how they use the tool. You know, there are some folks who are like, don't let anybody else touch your tarot deck because their energy will rub off. Yeah. On it. And she's like, no. <laughs> um, and and I, I don't know that I necessarily have an argument one way or the other to that, but all of that to say that conversation really opened up to me, you know, this doesn't have to be one thing again, yeah. you know, with that sort of tendency toward perfectionism, I don't have to do tarot quote unquote, right. Um, I can just get the deck and play with it and right. see what comes up and, um, and, and like you said, I, I, it, I haven't specifically used it as writing prompts for journaling, but that's how it feels mm-hmm. to me. It feels like writing prompts for sort of like, okay, now that I have this idea in mind, how might that idea, you know, serve as a lens for whatever it is that I'm seeing right. in my life or whatever question it is that I have. Um, and that's, that's been sort of the fun thing, um, to play with a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I, Every once in a while, I will go on Quora and answer questions largely about writing, but sometimes about creativity, sometimes about Doctor Who. Those tend to be the most popular ones, which is cool and sort of frustrating all at the same time. But there are, you know, so many times with with writing or creativity questions, it's things like, am I doing it the right way? And, And I find myself saying, the only right way is your way. You know, what's Mm -hmm. the best word processor? The one you like, you know, what's the best system for X? The one you'll use. It's, it's your way. You figure it out. And, And, you know, it's, it's sad because there are so many people who are probably disappointed by that, but I'm hoping that people are freed by it rather than being disappointed. Sure. No, I can't hand you, I can't tell you what the best thing is. You might hate Scrivener, which I love, but you know, you might hate it and you'd be perfectly justified in hating it for whatever reasons you don't like it. So why, who am I to tell you what piece of software you should use? You know, you need to figure it out. And and I think it's the same way with anything else that we do. It's like the only right way is your way. And, you know, if people try to tell you that there's one way that's better than another, 
maybe they'll have good reasons for it. Maybe it's somebody who, you know, really knows like the whole field of options and can look at you and say, from what I see, I think you would like this the best. And that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But anybody who just comes up to you and says, you know, your book should be 152 pages long. It should be double spaced. It should be, you know, in Comic Sans font. And you should you have two months to write it and revise it and all of that. And then you'll be done is crazy for a start (laughs) and and (laughs) lying to you. I mean, maybe not intentionally. Maybe they really think that's true. But but there's no reason for you to listen to that. Sure. And I think the piece that goes hand in hand with that, and it's, I've sort of heard this behind everything you were just saying, is this tendency, we really have to let go of this tendency for just because you and I have made different choices, that doesn't make my choice right and your right. choice wrong. I, I think that's true of so many things. Um, it definitely comes up in parenting, like all the time. Just because I've chosen one way to do it doesn't mean that I think your way is wrong or that my way is even better. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that's a very human reaction yeah. to other people in our lives making different choices than us. And I think that's it's something that I have become more conscious of and, you know, hope that I, I think that's a conversation worth continuing. Yeah. And, and I have noticed, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a human thing that we tend to want to rank things, but you know, or if it's just centuries of being ranked by people who thought it was a good idea. But I think, (laughs) you know, we tend to want to do that. And I think it's a trap. I think one of the most powerful Mm -hmm. things that I ever learned, and I couldn't even tell you when I learned it. So it was probably a good long while ago was, you know, there is no better or worse. There's only different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some things, there's better and worse, you know, but for a lot of things, there really isn't. And the more right. I think we can think of it as, oh, it's just different. That's all. The better off we are. I think that the challenge then becomes how do we share our experience, you know, whether it's in an online forum or in a conversation with friends, how do we share our personal experience without trying to put that on the other person? Or how yes. do we listen to somebody else's personal experience without feeling like they're kind of generating expectations for us? Or, yes. or somehow condemning something that we've done. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's a challenge. It is. It's really tough. I think it sounds like, you, you know, you hear somebody say that and you think, oh, yeah, that would be great. That should be easy. And then you try to do it and you find out it's not anywhere near as easy as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. I would think that being aware that it happens, just sort of being aware of that influence between two people, that dynamic. Um I don't know. Maybe that's the first step. Awareness, I think, is so, so key to so many things. And it's also the easiest thing to forget. Mm -hmm. I agree. Does that fit into like retreat boxes and and coaching that you do with with your business clients? Yeah, for sure. I I would say. um, And and again, some of this comes back to ritual. Um, When I started thinking about doing this work, I. I I'd searched the word ritual on Pinterest. Literally 100% of what came up was related to witchcraft and or tarot. Wow. And or whatnot. Um, and I was like, that is really interesting. Because that's it? certainly, you know, one uh, worldview and practice that, you know, certainly deals in ritual, but it, you know, it's definitely not the only thing that Far deals in from ritual. Um, you know, I, tradition all of the major world religion traditions mm-hmm. deal in ritual there's plenty of secular ritual so i found it really interesting that that word um at least to the mind of the pinterest search algorithm was about one thing um but to me so much of ritual is about intention and awareness you're not going to like accidentally do a ritual you know what i mean like i don't think there's such a thing as an accidental i mean i think there are things kind that of interesting rituals accidentally you know like yes. you think about like a um like some sort of holiday tradition that you start with your kids because you did it once and then they expect you to do it every mm-hmm. year like okay that might be an accidental ritual but again you you're not participating in it accidentally right um so so i think um Awareness is, is certainly awareness and intention are certainly part of it. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna start a meditation practice as a part of your day, again, that's not gonna happen accidentally. And that's really where um, the name of the business came into being opt inward. You know, this is a choice mm-hmm. that somebody has to consciously make to look inward, to be curious about what's happening 
um, within themselves to be curious about what they need um, to, you know, whether it's an improvement they're looking for in their life or they're just looking to become a little bit more present or a little bit more of themselves. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a choice and that choice certainly requires awareness of where you currently are, where you'd like to be going, what modalities or practices might be worth trying in order to get you there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I think in this work, um, I think folks who have already done the work to know what it, what they need to take care of themselves. Um, I don't think those are the folks that I'm going to end up working with. I think it's the folks who are curious about, um, you know, what are some other things that I could try um, and sort of see how that feels and see how that works and then go from there. So what's your background with ritual and spirituality that got you here? Yeah. So uh, I was raised Presbyterian, still am Presbyterian. Um, And for some reason, I've, I've always been drawn to it. I don't really know how to explain this. I really love seeing how the pieces of the story fit together. Okay. Whether that's sort of the traditional story, you know, that you find in Bible and scriptures or the experiences that people today are having and how those things fit together. This is the same reason that I love literature. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I love anything where it's like at the end of the story, like all of the threads are tied up. Um, and I'm like, wow, the whole thing came together. I mean, that's what's so <laughs> mind blowing about the whole Harry Potter series for me, right? and I think for lots of people. You're like, how did she do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Having written a so, book, I still wonder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so for me, I love taking all of these big ideas and seeing where they connect and seeing how they influence one another. Um, and I feel like I've always seen that in my particular faith tradition. Um, I feel like I noticed at some point that maybe other people aren't as in tune with that as mm-hmm. I am. Um, and that's something, you know, going back to sort of the middle school poetry experience, I think that's something that I still deal with. And so I think I've had some very meaningful spiritual experiences within my church, but then also the other ways that people sort of experience, you know, connection to something larger than them, whether that's in nature, um, or through art or with other people. Um, and so, being able to bring all the, again, all these big ideas, transcendence, spirituality, all these things, being able to, to bring that together um, and then sort of connect that to what it seems that people are looking for more and more in terms of, of self-care or retreat or, or what have you. Um, so that's the, the sort of like broad story background. You know, more recently uh, when I was pregnant with my son, who is now three, um, we went through a very complicated pregnancy. It was incredibly difficult and we didn't really know what was going to happen. Uh, lots of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we put off all of our baby showers because it, it just didn't feel like the right yeah. thing in that season. Um, but as we were getting closer and closer um, and especially as things kind of looked like maybe they were all going to be okay, which they were in the end. Um, I was like, I want to do something. It mm-hmm. feels weird to do nothing. And yet baby showers in the traditional sense still didn't feel like the right fit. So one of the ideas that was in uh, one of my birthing books that I, I had purchased, I think, um, was the idea of a mother blessing um, or a baby blessing. I've heard them referred to in the same way. Um, and so I sort of took some of the ideas from that um, and called up my friends and said, you know, hey, I think this is something I want to do. Um, to sort of celebrate everything that's Mm -hmm. happening and, you know, be surrounded by people and community, you know, connection with other people is certainly a part of this. Um, While there's certainly parts of spirituality and some of these self-care practices that you do by yourself, I think the ones that you do with other people are just as important. And so we got together um, and for this gathering, uh, everyone brought their color, their you know, grown up coloring books mm-hmm. and we colored pages and cut them out and basically threaded them into like a prayer flag. Oh, you know, cool. you see the Tibetan yeah. prayer flags. And then on the back of their pictures, everybody wrote kind of some, you know, words of love and well wishes and blessings. Um, and so that was part of it. And, you know, we had sex and, and visited together. And then I also um, gave all of my friends a candle, like a little votive candle. Um, one of the things that I had discovered was, was this idea. You give everyone a candle 
Um, and then when you go into labor, you know, somebody kind of spreads the word and all of the women light their candles, um, sort of during the time that you're in labor. That part didn't work out for me. Um, (laughs) I I went into labor late at night and it was short, (laughs) um, but I loved the idea. Um, but you know, at the end of this, I brought this, this string of pictures that my friends had colored, you know, specifically for me home and I hung it over the mantle and it stayed there for, I don't know, better part of a year. Um, but then, you know, looking in my home while I was waiting for my son to come and when we brought him home from the hospital, I, I felt very surrounded, you know, mm-hmm. by all of that love. And so for me, that was a way to sort of say like, okay, the traditional baby shower thing, it's just not, it's just not going to cut it for, for what I need right now. So how can I put together something that will speak to what I need, to the people in my life, to the reality of what I'm dealing with? Um, and I'd love to be able to do that for other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of whatever it is that looks like. I think too, uh, one of the things even being raised in the church, what I'm very aware of as, you know, fewer and fewer people attend, you know, a faith community on a regular basis is that I feel like there's certain things that are being lost mm-hmm. in terms of ritual and ceremony. You know, we don't have these kind of coming of age ceremonies that yeah so many of our cultures have had in the past and um even the same thing you know we've got lots of um secular rituals obviously around marriage Mm -hmm. um but there might be some people who are looking for something different than what you know a bachelor party and a bridal shower and a bridal brunch kind of bring to the table um and i think as um as a mother in particular there's a i feel like there's a lot that's missing um, for, for our kind of community. Um, and then also, you know, so what are the, so what are those things, um, that maybe traditional faith has offered in the past that is not, people aren't finding now, how can I kind of bridge that gap? And then how can I sort of like bring in my nerdy passion for, you know, bringing in all these connecting the dots for all these disparate ideas and, and kind of do all that together. That was a very long answer to It's a great answer though. And <laughs> I love <laughs> I love the the whole thing with the candles, even if it didn't work out for you. I mean, just the image of that is so cool. And it Absolutely. You know, I can totally see where that would spark your interest in, you know, there's gotta be more of a way to do this. Cause I'm I'm listening to you and I'm thinking you know, there are people out there who would love something like that, who probably don't even know that that's an option, you know, wouldn't even think, hey, I could do this thing. It would be really cool. It would like bring my friends and I together. It would, you know, make me feel better. It, you know, it would give me something to look at, like your your colored prayer flags, you know, over the mantle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I think we have lost that. And I'm curious to know where how your curiosity works with all of this, because you do come from one particular tradition, but, you know, Tibetan prayer flags are not particularly Presbyterian. So, you know, are you out exploring what other traditions do? Are you kind of following your intuition and coming up with things that, that just flow right for you? Or are you, I mean, where are you, where are you getting your ideas from? Sure. Yeah. Part of it is definitely intuitive. Um, Part of it is, taking, you know, even traditions that I might be familiar with and um, maybe tweaking them a little. I think about, um, you know, in the Christian tradition, the practice of walking a labyrinth, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's always been pretty, pretty meaningful to me. I think um, I encountered that somewhere in middle or high school. Um, you know, it was a, it was a cloth labyrinth laid on the floor of a mm-hmm. large room Um but I think that connects to the way that we can do kind of meditative walks, you know, with or without a labyrinth. So one of the things um, when I do these retreat boxes for clients, you know, movement is definitely a part of, of what I'm you know, trying to connect folks with. And so meditative walking is one of the things that tends to show up in a lot of those things. Um, now I didn't make up meditative walking. Clearly many people have been doing that for many years. Um, but I think that can be the connection point um, sometimes. And, you know, I also want to be careful that I'm, you know, I'm not trying to like, I don't want to be like dabbling in other people's cultures. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I, I understand um, the position of privilege that I'm in and the um, possibility for cultural appropriation that I don't Mm -hmm. want to get into. Um, But I think there are some things that are universal across many traditions 
Um, and so how, how do we sort of take the core of some of those meaningful practices and, and kind of put them into a language or into a context that works, works for folks today? Um, yeah, and a lot of times it's simpler than we think it's going to be. I think a lot of life <laughs> is or should be simpler than we think it's going right. to be or than we make it. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. So one question that I've been that's been sitting in the back of my head since the very beginning here is you'd mentioned Madeline Lengel. Mm-hmm. And I know how much I loved her books when I was a kid. And I only discovered about 10 years ago that there were two extra books in the Wrinkle in Time series that I hadn't ever heard of before. And I was blown away going, wait a minute, how did, really? How did I miss two? (laughs) Because I inhaled the first three as a kid multiple times. I mean, I loved those books about as much as you could love a book as a kid. And, Mm -hmm. and I know she's a very spiritual writer. And since you write and now you're doing opt inward, I'm just wondering if, if she's had a particular influence. Yeah, I think she's, uh, her and her work have always kind of been there in the back of my mind. I have not read as much of her work as I would like. Um, and I know there are some of her, some of her writing that's out there that I'm very interested in, in checking out now. I did go back and reread Wrinkle in Time a couple of years ago. I was like, man, this is a weird book. (laughs) (laughs) It's very of its time, but it's still great. Oh, absolutely. And it's just, it's really interesting how, I don't remember thinking it was that strange as a child. And I'm Me sure either. part of that was just, you know, the way my imagination was, was so open. Um, then, uh, it was, it was still wonderful. Um, one of the books in that series that I really loved was many waters. That's and, one of the ones um, I only just found out about 10 years yeah, ago. Have you read it? Have you I read haven't, it? I need to do it, but I feel like I need to reread the whole series to get myself there. Yeah. I never read them in any particular order. I'm not sure which order you're, kind of supposed to read them in I, I really have no idea that's a good question um, I yeah <laughs> that, that's never been clear to me um what I love about many waters is that it does tie back to the old testament story of Noah and the flood and there Ooh. are things in that book that I never knew about that story and after I read the book I went back and you know looked at the story in Genesis I was like, oh my gosh, that's in here. <laughs> I love, and, and, and sort of this part of me, you know, liking to bring these different ideas together. I love anything that works to a theme. Like if you want me to come up with a themed vacation or a themed party, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not because um, I feel like I was sort of there before Pinterest got there. And we do these themed birthday parties for our son, uh, not because we feel like we need to, but because we just get so much joy out of mm-hmm. it. Um and so I feel like anyone who, you know, it certainly turns up in historical fiction, but I think um, things like the book, Many Waters, where you're kind of creating this whole world that's connecting to something that already exists, or uh, right now we're watching Good Omens on Prime. I just um, watched that. It's so much yeah, fun. Yeah, we've got one episode left. Don't tell me. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, like it's a creation that's been created around you know, the apocalypse story. And so like there are certain like limits and boundaries that they're creating mm-hmm. within, which is what I love about a theme. And I feel like I do the same, uh, especially when I'm creating these retreat days for people. We have our conversation and I sort of listen for, okay, what's the theme of, of what this person sort of seeking, asking for, needing? And then how can I kind of create craft around that? Um, that's just so fascinating to me. Um, and so that's, that's certainly... Um, one of the things that I liked about that particular Madeline Lingle book. Um, and then one of the things that I feel like shows up in my work now, the other ones that I liked, the one that really got me when I was younger was ring of endless light. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was one of those where I got to the end and I'm like, Oh, it all came to, it all fits. How did she do that? Yeah, I don't, you know, I remember the title better than I remember the book, but there's something even just about that title that's magic. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have also always loved um, anything in the realm of magical realism. And I feel mm-hmm. like that book kind of dips its toe in that in some ways. And um, I don't know, one of the things that I see in my faith tradition and also in a lot of these other practices is, is sort of the theme of mystery. Um and like not knowing how it all works, how it all fits together, why it works, whether it works. 
and being okay with some of that not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really, uh, has always been interesting to me. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I love kind of inviting other people to explore that. Yeah. And, and so that's such a, a deep and serious thing that I feel a little bit irreverent saying this, but since you mentioned good omens, I, I feel like I read the book. It was my first treat to myself when I finished grad school and could pick what I wanted to read. And I actually did reread. That's the last time I read A Wrinkle in Time. When you, when you focus on YA lit, you get to read YA lit, which is great. So I was not, you know, trying to inhale James Joyce or anything like that in a week. But the theme in, in A Wrinkle in Time of, I mean, it's, Obviously, now that I'm older, it's obviously a commentary on communism, among other things. But but it's in there as, you know, being an individual, you know, when Meg gets to Kamazots and every all the kids are bouncing their balls at the same time in the same way in this driveway. Mm-hmm. I mean, how freaky would that be? And and, you know, she's not afraid to go be herself and go rescue her father, um, which is is powerful stuff, even though now you look at it and you're going, OK, communism, bad capitalism good you know mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. but there's so much more in there than that you know the the whole idea the title you know the tesseract and all that but but good omens is kind of the same thing because it's taking this this deep you know armageddon story and it's turning it completely on its head it's mm-hmm. it's you know i mean armageddon apocalypse should be this big terrifying thing and everybody is is running scared and there's nowhere to run and everybody's going to die and you know um all hell literally breaks loose but but instead it's kind of it's it's not even so much poking fun at it as it's turning it on its head and saying, but what if you had this unlikely, almost Romeo and Juliet kind of relationship with an angel and a demon who have become best friends over the centuries right. or the millennia and are kind of saying, hey, wait, hang on. This is a really good thing. Why, why do we want to get rid of it? And, mm-hmm. and it, it, it turns everything about it, you know, prophecies and the whole idea of how this prophecy is supposed to happen. And therefore, you know, there's this kid and you have to influence the kid and except, oops, we got the wrong kid. (laughs) (laughs) And, and all of that. And it, it takes all of that, you know, things that are prophesied and things that are supposed to be this way. And this has been the grand ineffable plan for you know, since the dawn of time and says, why? Mm-hmm. And it's all because you have this angel and this demon who've actually found their middle ground. And maybe the middle ground is actually the way to go. So mm-hmm. it says mm-hmm. a whole lot, but it's also having so much fun with it at the same time. You know, it's it's poking at things and turning them upside down and backwards and around and and all of that. But I, I think you know, like that, that whole underlying idea, you know, like it doesn't have to be about conflict. Maybe it can just be about finding what's common and saying, let's do that instead. Sure. And going back to your, your you know, your earlier point about awareness, you know, you can't you can't examine something that you're either unaware of or just kind of yeah. taking in stride as the status quo. Um, I, I think, you know, the curiosity and the examination and um, is, is certainly part of it. You know, um, I think, you know, especially when it t- comes to self-care, um, you know, is examining, is this really how I feel about this? Is this really the reason why I do X, Y, and Z? Um, and I think, you know, part of the other thing that I'm trying to, you know, help people understand is that, you know, obviously if there are sort of the big versions of those questions, maybe that conversation is best had with a therapist, um, or somebody who is similarly licensed, but I think there are small versions of those questions Mm -hmm. that we can just ask ourselves on a regular basis, or even just take a small break, you know, um, not all, um, self-care vacations have to be in Bali. They can be in your bedroom for 20 <laughs> minutes an evening. Um, you know, so like, and there's a middle ground for you. Like, yeah. um, you know, like, so like, um, you know, what are, what are the opportunities to insert little bits of examination of flipping our own beliefs on our heads that might lead us to becoming, you know, more of whatever it is that we want out of life. 
Well, that's beautiful. I think we should just leave it there so people will think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I really do. That's great. Though, actually, I did have one other question, so maybe we won't quite. But if you're listening, don't forget what she said, because it was awesome. I'm wondering if you have a particular book or resource that you found helpful as you've been asking yourself these questions or designing rituals or just thinking about how all of that works. Yeah. yeah there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one is called The Power of Meaning by Emily Esfahani Smith. Um, she has a TED Talk that covers the same subject matter, um, although I personally would recommend the book. Um, so she uh, works in the field of positive psychology and has uh, studied 